0: This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by the Charcoal Book Club. Their carefully curated selections reflect the best in contemporary photography, and all for a reasonable price. And they are delivered directly to your doorstep each month. They offer free shipping to the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. It's subsidized elsewhere. It's a great way to begin or expand your photo library. Join the club at charcoalbookclub.com today. And remember to use the code frame at checkout and receive a 10% discount on your first membership payment. Happy New Year. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. 2022 was a tough year, but we're glad we made it to 2023 and the 16th season of the Candid Frame. Now, when we become serious about our photography, our shared goal is to consistently make good photographs. Hours are spent choosing the right camera, learning to use software, reading books, and drawing inspiration from others. But what's next after that? I think it's figuring out what you want to say. What subject matter do you want to explore? What do you want to say with your photographs? What can you say with your images that no one else could? Mike Pozzoli has been on that journey Since picking up a camera, he began with urban landscapes and architecture in Chicago that evolved into the natural landscapes, including time spent in the Blue Ridge Mountains, resulting in his recent book, Blue Ridge Dreaming. Finding out who you are as a photographer is as important as what you create images with and of. I hope that this conversation helps you to figure out what you are meant to do with your photography. This is X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. Let, let's talk about you, uh, reading about you, really kind of an interesting character in terms of the paths you've taken. You know, you're a working psychologist.
1: Yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist.
0: But you also are a photographer. Yes,
1: dipping into both. Dou- di- di- I do some double dipping, for sure.
0: And both of them call for you to know how to pay attention. Would you say that's true?
1: Absolutely. I came across this quote recently and I always butcher quotes, but it was something like, if you spend enough time with your subject, it'll eventually reveal itself to you. I think I was ref- referring to mm-hmm, photography. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, that's so true. It, it applies to well, a lot of things, but definitely therapy. You know working working with someone in such yeah. a vulnerable kind of space.
0: Yeah, because I've been to counseling, I have not been the counselor. <laughs> but one of the things I've always appreciated with with people that I've worked with is their ability to recognize something that I've said and able to throw that back at me. Yes, <laughs> me not realizing that what I meant or what was you know or what was going on, and it was like, oh, I never thought about it that way cuz it gives you a good counselor helps to reveal insights about yourself.
1: Yeah, that's that's very true. That's like what you're describing is like it's the the bread and butter, you know, of just listening and then, you know, very actively, very critically listening and in the most gentle, compassionate way like kind of holding a mirror to the person and say, you know, you just said this. Did you catch that? You, you use these words or... There's, such, there's just a ton of power just repeating those things back to someone.
0: Do you think that that influences your photography?
1: Yeah, the like the th- that stance of stepping back, taking things in, listening, or just kind of observing. So yeah, something I use a lot in my... Clinical practice is just, you know, mindfulness, the the practice of mindfulness. I try to use it for myself as a therapist, try to do mindfulness practices with with my clients. But I think there are so many parallels. I kind of break down mindfulness into the what's and the how's. There's observing with your senses, there's describing, and then there's participating, which is just kind of like throwing yourself into the moment. And the how that you do that is non-judgmentally, one-mindfully and effectively, you know, putting all that together, you know, I think that applies really well to photography as well, you know, just observing, just kind of taking in what, you know, what the scene that's in front of me. And, you know, there's a, there's a part of like, just almost like a sense of flow, like just kind of this oneness with, being with the scene and, and take, just kind of getting lost in taking pictures. So I, I think there's like this, the crossover is so smooth, you know, on both ends.
0: In a lot of nature photography, there's, I think there, there's maybe one or two ways or maybe even more in terms of how people approach it. You know, one, people will research a location, likely that it's been photographed countless times before. And they'll go out with the intention of making their own version of that scene. Mm-hmm. And then there are other photographers who, you know, will go hiking, go exploring, not knowing exactly what they're getting going to get, but having a sense that either because they've been there before or just because of their previous research or observation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: will decide to, you know, take a hike and go explore and see if something reveals itself mm-hmm. and. Some photographers have a very difficult idea of difficult grasping, getting lost in the wilderness. In some cases, it's a good thing, at least creatively. You got to add a compass to make sure you get back to your car. But I've always admired that about photographers who will just kind of, will go on the hike and just wait to see what's revealed to them. Mm-hmm. How much of that process feeds your your own photography?
1: I almost want to say I fall somewhere in between there. I love researching new spots like Google Maps or um, just like the Earth mode, you know, looking up the weather forecast and a really helpful site. I think it's mountainforecast.com, uh, which has like specific forecasts for like certain mountain peaks and certain elevations, which has been really a clutch tool. And then, you know, the apps that can kind of look at what. You're going to see what direction the sun's going to be kind of pointing. I appreciate that. I really enjoy that. But I've learned (laughs) even those tools are never a guarantee. (laughs) And so I think I kind of balance that with, you know, I kind of, it's it's good to come in with a plan to be thoughtful about, you know, where you're going and when you're, when you're going to go. And, but at the same time, all you know and I've learned this the hard way uh, not to get my hopes up so the image I have in mind may or may not come to fruition but I've kind of learned to accept that like there are you know countless other opportunities to to take a photo along the way and if I just get like so caught up in that one like oh I have to get this one photo that is really popular that other people have done and I have to put my spin on it there have been times where, you know, it's completely, you know, maybe there's a, a pop-up thunderstorm, which, you know, y- you just can't plan for. And you kind of have to just go with the go with the flow. So I'll say, you know, it's a nice challenge and, and staying open to maybe have to get a little creative. I'd say, I, I, yeah, I kind of fall in, in, in the middle of that somehow.
0: Because <laughs> the commitment to going out, like, for example, I'm a street photographer, and even though the world isn't immediately at my doorstep <laughs> and I have to drive somewhere in order to, to photograph there, there's the likelihood that I might not get anything. But for me, it's not that big of a deal because I didn't have to go that far. Mm-hmm. right? So I'm not so fully invested that I I got to get a shot today. But when you're doing the kind of work that you're doing, <laughs> it's very likely that you may not get what you, what you want and makes you maybe experience some self-doubt
1: mm-hmm.
0: or you may put too much weight on this particular day and trying to get something mm-hmm. how do you sort of work with that and not let it completely pollute what you're trying to do mm. like being in the moment
1: you know i have to be honest um you know i i i definitely have those those thoughts and feelings like uh i remember last year i I was hiking to try to do a sunrise at um, McAfee or McAfee—I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it—McAfee's Knob in um, Virginia, which is the most photographed spot on the Appalachian Trail, and it's a it's a four mile hike. So I went in, you know, pitch black. I was terrified, and I just kept saying, (laughs) "I I just kept saying, you know, this better, this better be worth it. (laughs) I I really hope this is worth it. When I get to the top, (laughs) I hope there is this perfect sunrise waiting for me." (laughs) So, you know, I'll be honest about that. I I have, I have those, you know, uh, those those thoughts and those 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 hopes that 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 that, are. It's I'm putting a lot of work in, and I have that expectation or or that hope at least that, that there'll be a payoff. On the other hand, I'll also say, as I think about it, I, I don't think I've ever kind of walked away, uh, even you know when when there's been a bad, I can't even call it bad. Maybe something that I didn't expect, like you know I'm expecting this really amazing sunset, and it's just all cloudy. <laughs> there's that initial disappointment, but I don't think I've ever walked away from something like that feeling defeated or like i wasted my time because i'll mm. i've almost kind of treated it as a challenge like I'll, I'll, okay you know here here it is here's the the reality <laughs> and i can choose to either throw my hands up and give up or 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 still push myself creatively and mm. see what i get maybe this is an opportunity to try something different or work with the diffuse light of of you know a cloudy cloudy day so Mm-hmm. And that's where I think mindfulness for me comes in. You know, there's an acceptance component of, of it. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's been useful for me.
0: When you first started returning for, to photography, you were living in, in Chicago. And you even produced a book. In mm-hmm. there, it was a lot about architecture, the city itself. Mm-hmm. But then now I see the kind of work that you're doing in, in the outdoors and nature. And it's a little surprising to see that one photographer created both of these bodies of work that are very different in terms of subject matter, but in terms of the way that you see, I kind of, from the images that I've seen, I see the linkage between, between the two. Mm-hmm. So tell me how photographing in the city benefited you in terms of exploring the, the wilderness.
1: Man, I love Chicago. I love architecture. Uh, I love big cities. You know, I sometimes daydream about Chicago's skyline. (laughs) So I'll put that out there. (laughs) Yeah, Chicago and street photography, uh, city photography is is where I think I, where I fell in love with photography. And something I really came to love was just um, like the harsh light peeking through the, you know, in between buildings and leaving these like long streaks of light watching kind of pedestrians walk across it. And then something I also loved about Chicago was the, you know, they call it the grid there. Everything is lined up on a grid. Mm -hmm. But the streetlights are this, this like really recognizable, like orange color, and they turn on when it rains, even if it's like the middle of the day. And so just the the pop of like orange glow and then the rain and then these like kind of a darker bluish kind of tones in the streets, and even against the pavement, like finding that blue orange complementary colors is, is kind of where I fell in love with, with photography and kind of chasing those colors and those pops of light. That's where that kind of started. And I think I, I'm still chasing that <laughs> in the mountains. hmm. You know, when the sunrise and sunset, the first and last light, there's this light kind of streaming through the peaks and through the layers of the mountains. It creates a really nice contrast of this warm, warm light. And then you see kind of like the, the darker parts of the mountains that are in the shadow. It just so happens that I ended up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. You know, they have this like kind of bluish <laughs> tint to them. I don't know. It, it, was a, it was interesting how that kind of worked out.
0: When I look at your work, you're not a photographer who's shooting color. You're, you're a photographer who is observing and leveraging color. Mm. And there's a big distinction between the two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a consciousness not only of the light and the, and the shadow, but about the relationships of color in terms of how they may complement each other or how they may contrast. Do you think that that sort of observation of color is a direct result of you shooting in in the street or what was it something that you weren't even conscious of as you were doing it
1: oh man you know i've actually asked myself that question like where where did this come from i could get a little psychoanalytic on myself and say you know it's from childhood i i grew up in new york and was (laughs) a big mets fan and their colors are blue and orange (laughs) so yeah i loved watching the mets um you know, those colors the 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 complementary orange and blue that's always something that was part of me so maybe maybe came, came from there i think also you know maybe it just it, it did just develop and it's something that i that i kind of caught and was just kind of naturally attracted to being in chicago i think um you know if if, if those streetlights weren't so orange maybe if it was any other city who, who knows who knows if i i've I would have kind of started to look for that, that those complementary colors in, in my photos.
0: With the streetlights here in Los Angeles, I grew up with the streetlights that were that orange. Oh, really? Yeah, and they switched to LEDs over the last several years. And it was really strange because I felt like, why is everything everything's so dark? Because <laughs> <laughs> for, for, to my eye, it, it doesn't seem that these stri- the streetlights have gotten any brighter. Mm. To me, it's less so despite what they may say, that was just something that was ever-present. And I, I don't think I ever really thought about the fact that, oh, that's a kind of strange glowing orange. It was just part of the landscape for me. And I can't say that I, I ever used it to a photographic advantage, but I recognized it that it was there. Mm-hmm. I think when you have an understanding of how light transform, trans, transforms color, I think that that is a great place to be as a photographer Mm. because you you recognize that there isn't one singular color that's in front of me because if that same thing that I'm observing is shot once in direct sunlight and then later in shade and then later by neon from a storefront, that color is just going to be different things, it will be different, Mm -hmm. a different, different subject every time I approach it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes I've, I, even though I can recognize that in in the urban environment, I sometimes struggle when I go into the outdoors, being able to sort of apply it the same way. Mm. Was, was that difficult for you?
1: Yeah. When I moved to Asheville, I knew there were the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I knew it has a very small downtown that would not be conducive to very many street photography opportunities i have gotten down there and 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 tried and gotten a few but but yeah i did i do feel like i had almost like a mini i wouldn't call it a crisis but but i I maybe call it a i think i was at feeling like a little stuck Mm. oh you know what am i going to do here (laughs) (laughs) how am i going to work with this where where do I even begin? Do you know? Do do I start completely from scratch or or what? I think um, for a while I, I, I think I took a bunch of opportunities just to go out and not really bring my camera, just explore, go on, day hikes, sunrise hikes, sun sunset hikes, and um, just kind of see see what there was, kind of just kind of take it in, and I think it wasn't after a couple months. Till I actually brought my camera out, and I think what, what kind of clicked was seeing, you know, I think I, maybe I kind of got lucky, but the first sunrise that I actually brought my camera to, it was this overlook on the Blue Ridge Parkway. The light was kind of coming in, there was a cloud cloud inversion, so just this really nice layer of fog and the layers of the mountains, and it just, the way it was just coming through, it's kind of a light bulb went off. Like what you were saying, you know, the light was touching on different parts of Fog and the mountains, just these like swirls of color. And that's kind of like what clicked for me. And I said, okay, this is what I'm this is what I'm gonna be chasing, I guess.
0: (laughs) Mm. The image that's on the cover of your book is one of my favorites of yours. It's just a stunning a stunning scene. If you could share the story of how you came to make that photograph, I think it kind of exemplifies how you approach things and how you see things
1: Yeah it's, it's funny because that photo came so close to never happening. Yeah I think the story would would you're right would kind of exemplify my thought process uh, when I'm taking pictures. It was a you know just a, a, a fall fall morning. I kind of went out to as I would usually do I try to catch some sunrises at least a few times a month on the weekend and i was just kind of driving along and i'll usually pick an overlook because there are so many that's something i love about the parkway to start out at and then i'll just kind of drive depending on you know what the weather conditions are it's pretty cool because you know you, you you turn a corner and you can get a completely different kind of weather situation like one side of the parkway could be completely engulfed in fog and then you turn this corner and it completely opens up I was just kind of driving and and then went to a waterfall called uh, Crabtree Falls, which is a really beautiful waterfall. And then um, I was driving home. uh, It was a Saturday morning and uh, it was still pretty early. Backtrack a week ago, a a week before, no, two weeks before, I was driving the same area and I saw that little cabin just hanging out. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I should pull over. Should pull over and just take a picture. And that's a really cool, really cool cabin. But but I, I think I was actually on a time limit. I had somewhere to be. So I was actually rushing home. I was late. <laughs> um so <laughs> yeah, talk about balancing two different parts of life. But but I said to myself, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna come back and see what happens and maybe I'll maybe I'll stop next time. So it was this this Saturday morning and I'm driving back driving past and I again was running a little bit behind sensing a theme here I, I, I drove by it I said I'm, I'm not you know maybe I'll get it another time and something I, I just kind of kind of checked myself and said you know when's the next time and is it really gonna take that long and you know why not just pull over I'll I'll turn around and, and go back and so I did and this, the moment I parked <laughs> on the side of the road fog just kind of started to clear up almost like made room for this cabin for me to take pictures of it and then my you know my shutter just like i just was clicking away like as as many times as i could like (laughs) i couldn't believe it the so the sky was clearing up but the fog was still kind of lingering and this little cabin looked really cozy and the fall colors were at peak i still don't know why i i was saying you know second guessing myself and not you know why i just wasn't going to pull over, but I'm really glad I did. Yeah, so now I just pull over. When in doubt, I pull over and I take the picture.
0: <laughs> Good move. Yeah, <laughs> I've had experiences just like that. Hmm. And I'm driving somewhere, especially here in Los Angeles, I'll see something. And I'm tempted to get to where I need to go. And I go, oh, let's pass it up. And then there are moments where I tell myself, what am I thinking? Mm. Turn around, find a parking space, walk over there, and make the damn photograph. As a photographer, I have every excuse not to get and do get out of the car and do that. Oh, it's so con- inconvenient. I'll never find a parking space. Blah 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 blah. And there's part of me that just says, "Idiot! This is what you do: go out and make the damn picture. It's not going to kill you." Okay? <laughs> All right. And I think that's. I think part of it. Is, is it's about prioritizing. Because when I'm thinking of just rushing home or going back to the studio, it's all about, well, I want to do, I need to get there as soon as possible because I have all this work to do. Which is a reasonable excuse, but there's another part of me that's is going, this is what you love to do. Why not take the five minutes it's going to take you to do it and just do it? Mm-hmm. And I can't say that, my creative side always wins. There was a shopping cart, a green shopping cart at a location where one of our favorite bakeries were, and the late afternoon light was hitting it, and it was just in the exact same place for three consecutive days, and I never got out of the cart because I was prioritizing something else that I had to do. I certainly had the time. And yes, it would have been inconvenient to go and try and find a parking space. And But I I know I'm happier with myself when I make the choice to make the photograph. Mm -hmm. Stopping to make a photograph has never kept me from doing the work, quote unquote, that I have to do, be it an appointment or meeting a deadline. So to me, I always know it's a, a BS excuse. That little gremlin in my mind telling me, oh, don't bother.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But as I tell a lot of people, you gotta feed one of the you gotta feed the beast, yeah <laughs> you're either gonna feed the one that's always gonna go with the excuses and every reason you shouldn't, and the other is the one who encourages to go
1: and make the photograph,
0: depending on which one you do more of that's the beast that's gonna that's gonna grow
1: yeah, I could not agree more with that i fed the I fed the beast, the good beast.
0: Because you're working working as a clinical psychologist, and so you have, I can imagine, a very sort of busy schedule. How often do you get out to just go out and make photographs? And do you really have to plan ahead of time in order to make those moments happen?
1: In the past uh, year, so just about a year ago, actually almost exactly a year ago, I I got licensed. So since then, this past year especially, I've really been working on just building my practice up. This is like kind of the busiest I've been in, in, in a while. So it's it's been more, even more of a challenge. I'd say one of the perks of having been in training for so long in in grad school was that the luxury of being a student is the, the schedule is a bit more open. So I seized those opportunities. So it, it has been, it, it, like just the past year has been a lot harder. And I have had to be a lot more of intentional about when I go out, you know, with with my fiance. You know, it's kind of an understanding that I've got to feed the beast. I've got to feed the bug, the photography bug. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, what happens is on, you know, it'll be like a Saturday morning. I'll go out for a sunrise, and the nice thing about that is once I'm back, there's still the rest of the day, and we can kind of spend it together and do what we want to do together. So that's that's actually been a, a nice way to kind of work it in and I kind of I'm more partial to sunrises now in the mountains. There there's just a higher chance of getting those kind of cloud inversions and those just the cool kind of fog effects. You know, I, I I don't complain about that. So that's that's really the way kind of uh I have kind of worked it in. In the fall, it's it's also kind of I kind of uh share, you know, I love the fall. I love the fall colors and so it's, it's just kind of an expectation that I'm going to be out a few more times on the weekend in, in October. I'll just be out more, but otherwise, yeah, sometimes it is a bit more dormant and sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll use that to edit or, or maybe just take a break. It's kind of like the, the way I've kind of tried to find some balance this year as things have gotten a lot busier on the psychology side.
0: I'm starting off the new year with the release of a new ebook titled The Visual Path. It is a collection of essays that I have written over the past two years during and after COVID. It explores how my photographic process changed and developed in ways that I believe have made me a better photographer. It provides you valuable insight, not only into how I think about my own process, but tips for discovering how to create a personal creative path for yourself. It's available on the Candor website for only $10 and helps to contribute not only to the production of the show, but also meet the costs involved in repairing the studio from recent flood damage. This, along with becoming a Patreon supporter, is a great way for you to support our work here at the podcast. Purchase and download a copy today by visiting the website or clicking on the link in the show notes. It's important to understand and, to some degree, love your subject. You're already passionate about the Blue Ridge Mountains. What is it about that particular location that makes it such a standout for you, and that makes you want to revisit her as much as as much as you possibly can?
1: It's kind of hard to put into words. I think the the Blue Ridge Parkway is is just very unique, and so you get to kind of just drive it's basically this drive through a mountain range you know mountains are kind of steep kind of cliffs on your side so i thought that was that was really stunning to you get such a you're like in you you get to literally drive into the heart of you know the the mountains and drive along the the ridges i think a part of me has always been drawn to nature you know even when i was younger I, i grew up right outside of new york city but we had a little nature preserve near our, near our house. And you know, I would just always be drawn to it and, and go there. There's a little stream just down the street. This was in the suburbs. Yeah, it's something just always felt kind of right. And sometimes I would just go outside just uh I don't know, I couldn't explain it. And my friends would be like, Mike, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to be outside. So I, I think there was something from the very beginning. And I know that kind of sounds weird, but I think when I first visited Asheville and the Blue Ridge Mountains um, It was in the summer and everything was just so lush and so full and just reading more about the history of it and how, how ancient those mountains are and you know how uh, just the biodiversity in them and and you know you know so many you know ecologists do do so much research there it's just so just such a rich kind of fertile kind of place. Sometimes you know I'll be walking around and feel like I'm in like the middle of Jur- a Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> I-, I think that all of that kind of culminating, and then um, yeah, just knowing how ancient they are—you know, the, some of the oldest mountains in the world—and um, I think all of that just just kind of called to me in, in in some way. It's 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 hard to put put to words fully, to to be honest.
0: In in photography, I I I think there are two times that I discover a photograph. It's that moment where I'm out on the street, I see a scene, and for whatever reason, I think it's worthy of a photograph and make it. And then secondly is when I sit down at the computer, call for the images, and make a selection, and to begin and begin working on it in Lightroom. I use a profile in, in my Fuji cameras that gives me a, as a relatively flat interpretation of the raw file. You know, it's not a bunch of punching up the colors or the contrast. It's it's as minimal as in true, uh, and in, uh, it's as minimal as it can be, because I like, I prefer, when I'm sitting in front of a Lightroom, to really think about how I want to interpret this image. You know, in terms of color, in terms of how much contrast, and I think each picture is deserving of, of its own specific attention and isn't just reliant on using a preset over and over again. But I'm I'm really curious to hear about your process, you know, from working with the raw image and when you have the chance to really re-examine what you made and interpret it in a way using software that really speaks to both what you saw, but what you felt. When you saw it
1: yeah, so um I definitely well it starts starts you know before the editing like you know like you had mentioned i'm I'm always kind of looking for those pictures that are gonna i i like that word leverage the color you know the the darker mm-hmm. bluish tones with the 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 warmer and brighter tones, so I'm always kind of looking for that, and then i do i, I use kind of like a a base kind of preset that I've made, um, as I, uh, that really just works on the the, the S curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every every image is different depending on you know the where the light is coming from or what kind of you know textures or you know just just based on e- yeah it, each picture is unique. Like like you had mentioned, I definitely agree with that. So sometimes I will spend hours <laughs> on one <a> picture. <laughs> And then just throw my hands up and be like, you know, something, something isn't clicking with this and I'll let it just sit for months and just wait for it to kind of come back up to me. Uh, There have been other times where, you know, I shoot it the night of or the day of, get home, I'm like, that's the one, quick edit, and boom, it's ready to go. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's rare, that's rarer for me. I'm, you know, people will, I think most people who know me would say, I'm, I really like to take my time with things. <laughs> so, mm. so it, it'll usually be the, the slower, the slower version, but yeah, I, I will spend hours sometimes on, on these editing, these images, you know, something I have also tried to really do is I have Photoshop, but I, I really haven't used it. I, I only know like a couple tools from a class in college. I don't really, I don't know it too well. But but with Lightroom, something I've always appreciated is anything I edit is, you know, I, I'm just, I'm working with what's already in the, the image. And there are times where I'll lower some of the other colors. For some reason, green and I just don't, don't work well <laughs> together. <laughs> so uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll I'll usually desaturate the greens, you know, kind of really to kind of help create kind of that just that isolating, just isolate the the oranges in the in the blues. But yeah, it, it comes down to fine tuning each each photo and and what feels right and how I kind of want it to feel it has to have that pop. Of warmth, but also a, kind of these dark shadows. I have a lot of fun editing each one.
0: Yeah, because I have um, two approaches that I make with, you know, with photograph. If, if I know that in, if there's an image that I took that I am going to post to Instagram, that edit is quick. Mm-hmm. It's really not. It's not a kind of edit where I'm going to be spending a long time with. It. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting. When weeks or months later, I come back to that file because I want to work on it, more than likely to produce a print. I pay it. I start paying attention to the more subtle nuances that exist in the photograph mm. that you can't possibly pick up when you're doing a a fast fast edit. And I really enjoy that time because I get to rediscover the scene in much the same way when I made made the photograph. That's been important to sort of understand the importance of waiting to explore the image in software, be it Lightroom, Photoshop, you know, whatever whatever else is, is out there. Every time I approach a file, I'm doing something different. Even if it's the same image and I'm returning to it, to it months or years later. I, I, I think that much of it is, is about... It's not so much about look; but it's more about feeling. I want to feel the image after I've done all that work. It's not just because I want to sauce it up with a bunch of filters and S-curves and sort of presets. Pre- I want um, presets. It's like I want it to feel the way I felt when I discovered the scene in the first place. Mm. And I, I, but I don't want to have an image that is so polluted by all the bells and whistles that the software provides that it becomes more about the technique than about the photograph. Do you struggle with that yourself?
1: Um yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it's been interesting even as Instagram I've I've noticed has been changing moving more to like reels and you know a lot a lot of the photographers I follow are are doing more like tutorials and mm-hmm. before and afters and you no, know, I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm like, oh, there's that technique I could do. There's that technique. And uh, you know, just to be honest, it's 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 sometimes I'll find myself getting intimidated, like, what you know, well I don't I don't use that. Should I be using that? <laughs> you know, it's it is very tempting to think about that. Like and I have to be very careful to to not let that kind of seep into, well, at the core of this is yeah, I, I love what the way you put it. I'm rediscovering the very feeling that I had and that's something I've, I've, I've kind of always kind of told myself I'm, I'm shooting what I feel mm-hmm. and staying connected to that when there's all this other noise out there and yeah. like how, you know, how is this person editing? Is this like theirs or how is this going to do on, on social media or something like that? So I think it's, it's, it's getting even harder to, I think, in, in my opinion, it's, it's getting harder to, to, to stay connected to that that original that feeling that what drew drew me to that that composition in the first place but when when I stick with it, it it feels right you know there's a feeling to it it feels there's the feeling of peace there's a feeling of comfort for me and so yeah just kind of sticking with that is uh yeah it's 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 hard uh, I've definitely struggled with it and um you know it's it's a it's a fine line between wanting to grow as a photographer and you know expand your repertoire but not compromise the original vision you know why am i shooting coming just coming back to those those basics what, what do i love about photography yeah i'd say you know it's definitely sometimes a struggle
0: yeah but you have to come to the point where you trust yourself and trust your your process even though you may not see it reflected in other people's other people's work, which I think is a good thing because if you're not seeing it in other people's work, then it's more than likely it's unique to you. Yes. <laughs> but because you're not seeing in other people's work, it makes you question whether you're doing things right, quote unquote. I think that's a struggle that every photographer has, not just once, but multiple times in their photographic lifetime.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If it feels right in your gut, you just got to go with it because there's always going to be some yahoo who wants to point out what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You just got to let that... Let that go, and just believe that even if it's not, even if it doesn't match what you intended to, the, the the fact that you still pursued it is what's important. Because I think I think that you learn, and I learn from those images that don't work, mm. where it almost works, and and sometimes it's just either the moment when I decided to press the shutter release. Or when I'm revisiting the image and massaging it in, in Lightroom, you know that's just part of the process, because it's really easy to mimic other photographers' styles or approach in terms of shooting or post-processing. In terms of becoming more familiar with the camera and in the application, but at some point you got to step out on your own and and just embrace who you are, and how you are when you're, you're using the camera. Because it's only at that, in that place that your style, which everyone is often pursuing, mm-hmm. reveals itself. It's not something you can think yourself into. The only thing that develops your style and your sensibilities is going out and making a lot of bad pictures. Mm-hmm. Because the culmination of all that is is work that's, that's not only good, but is uni- unique to you. Mm-hmm. When you decided to make your books, you know both for Chicago and the late you know the latest one, there, there's a, there's a, a greater deal of commitment to your images mm-hmm. right because you're putting together these these tomes and you're making the decision what images are going to be put in there and how it's going to be laid out. And there's a, a greater degree of imagining that you have to do. Because you're moving away from creating something that focuses on the singular photograph, and now you're creating something that reflects more of a body body of work. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you decided to create these these books, and how they each sort of influenced how you see and how you make photographs.
1: Yeah, so the the first book, the Chicago book, I thought it was a really cool idea. It was it's actually a Kind of a collaboration of multiple, maybe a dozen or so photographers in Chicago who all have kind of similar, similar styles, all, all kind of came together and contributed to this book, which I think is a really cool concept. And so I, I was really happy to contribute to that. So that was that was cool. Number one to see, okay, here is a photo I took, and I I you know I carefully i i i chose it very very carefully i kind of meticulously edited it putting that extra bit into it knowing it's going to be forever on in print
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> then also here is my here are my photos um next to other other photographers' photos who I really admire seeing like the the nuances sometimes you know will be there were, in in that book that we'll, we're photographing sometimes the same thing mm-hmm but it's 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 a completely different picture, so that was really cool I, I i loved that um to see like wow, they were standing in the same place I stood, but it's completely different mm-hmm. so having that kind of opened my my eyes in that way to to see that but then in this newest book, Blue Ridge Dreaming, this one is different because it's this is this is my first time putting you know it's it's just all it's just my photos. So yeah, it took a long time, you know, working with uh, Trope Publishing. You know, they they have a great team. You know, I think they gave me like complete creative license to <laughs> to to make the book what I what I wanted, which I'm so thankful for. But yeah, it really had to be very very thoughtful of what's the theme here. So I, I love the title of the book, Blue Ridge Dreaming. It just kind of gives there there's a like a yeah, kind of a dreamy quality to the mountains and, and sunrise and the and, and the sunset, which is what most of the pictures were taken. There were tons of back and forths of of like, does this fit? Where does this go? What page would this go on? And what was also a really great process was there's poetry and, and, and quotes, so of more famous writers, but also local local um, poets. So pairing those with the pr- with the prints was also a challenge. So yeah, a a ton of different thought, I think deeper thought that had to go with each picture. Like how does it correspond to the one next to it or the one before it or the one that's on the next page? So I think if anything, it, it, it helped me gain a better appreciation for Photos in print, photo books, mm-hmm. but also just what it means to have a cohesive like body of work um, of, of, of images that are unique, but also kind of all have this dialogue with one another. So yeah, it was a, it was a really, really laborious, but also you know, very satisfying process.
0: What did you learn about yourself as a photographer as a result of, of producing the
1: book? Oh man, I think I, 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 I doubt myself a lot. Uh, the, the publisher, um, and the team, they had a lot of confidence in me and it felt really good. I think I, I don't think I give myself enough credit sometimes. So I think to have a bit more, you you were talking about trust, just trusting in your own vision. And I think as a photographer, it's really easy to underestimate the, the impact of our own unique kind of perspective and vision. So I think that's one of the biggest things I I learned about myself, just to have more trust in 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 what I see and its value. Other people want to see it. Also, that I want to make another book. <laughs> Maybe not now, but uh, sometime in the future. You know, I since then I I've been out so like a bunch of times um, this fall already. I've I've got I've, I've been exploring. Handfuls of new, new locations that, you know, I, I wish could have been in this one. So, you know, there's, there's just so much more here in, in the area, in, in the Blue Ridge area to, to capture. So, um, if anything, it gave me more motivation to, to keep exploring.
0: Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend a photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. So who would that phot- photographer be and why?
1: Hmm. Gosh, there's so uh there's so many. Someone I I kind of met recently. We haven't met in person, but I think we share a similar vision and and he's just a great. He seems like a really great person and photographer. His name is Brian Minier, Minier. Just the interactions I've had with him just extremely supportive and is, is extremely creative I think extremely talented and we both don't work well with green <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think there's a similar kind of color color palette that that we share but I, I you know I, I really respect his work you know I've, I've actually listened to him do a couple of podcasts he listened to his his story and it's it's pretty inspiring what, mm-hmm. what he's been through and so uh, I'd say I'd say him if I had to pick someone
0: that's great. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I really enjoyed finally having a chance to talk with you.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. It's it's an honor to talk with you and to be with you on this podcast.
0: Thanks to Mike for joining us. Find out more about Mike by visiting MPV. Come back kid and come back kid is C-O-M-B-A-C-K-I-D. If you're a fan of our work, you can write reviews on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts and share a favorite episode on social networks, be it Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Remember to use the hashtag TheCandardFrame. You can also support us financially by contributing via PayPal or becoming a Patreon supporter. Thanks to SB and Tracy Malib for their recent contributions. And if you can't find every episode of the show on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts, download the Candor Frame app, available for Apple IOS and Android. And because of your generosity, it's free to download and use. No additional purchases are required. The Candor Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin MacLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And this is X and this is The Candid Frame.